Hi, family. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Normal with Autism. Now he's on professional. We are walking with Faith on this side of the spectrum. Girl, let me tell you what. <laughs> Listen, I have two jobs right now. I am Craig and myself. So I'm, ha- I'm having some. You're killing it. Eyebrows are on point. Ooh, thank you. Thank you. How's your husband's coat? Does he like it? He better. I even commented for you. He's like, what did you tell Tara about my coat? Okay. All right. I'm Tara. I'm Sarah. Welcome, family, to the kitchen table. We're so excited to have you here. Um, We're going to jump right into it because you, Sarah, you have a commitment. Well, I don't anymore. My husband had a commitment, but then his friends canceled. So now I, I don't have anywhere to be. Oh, I wondered why you were all kind of loosey goosey coming in and not be like, let's get on it. I'm sorry. Now you're good to go. Yep. You know me, loosey goosey. (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Never uptight. We are excited to have everybody here listening and we are going to bring some good stuff to your ear holes today. Is this our last episode of the year? Well, it'll come out on Monday. What will Monday be? Um, Monday's the 20th? 20th, because I have a session. Today's the 16th. Yeah, Monday's the 20th. <clears throat> I don't know if we can get Jen at the at the house. Mm. before, Or like, I don't know if she'll want to do after Christmas. She might be all kinds of burnt out. Yeah, so this might be the last one of the year. I don't yeah. know, maybe we'll surprise you. Maybe we'll put another one out. But we have lots of good stuff tonight. We have an entire episode of, of basically our segment of Take No Shit, Only Vitamins. Woo! This is all the good stuff. Um, is there anything before we jump right into it that you need to to share? Um, I don't think so. I need to get back on taking my vitamins. Oh, you haven't been? Well, I just out of sight, out of mind, you know? I need to, like, I have one of those old lady pill boxes, and I need to just fill it up and take all my vitamins. But that feels like a lot of work. Uh-huh. So I just haven't been doing it. Just doing my vitamin D. It's work. I, I live in Ohio. I know, right? I've been doing vitamin D. That's pretty much the only one I do right now. Yeah. I think it's because I have to give all the supplements to Finn right now. Yeah. Like vitamins, elderberry. Yeah. Owen gets like a handful. And if you try to sneak something new in there, he's like, no, no, no. They know. No, no thank you. They know, right? I have my witchy um, uh, hairdresser. Her name is Carrie, and she's very much like supplements, vegan, uh, make your own cheese sauce out of cashews. That's not a life I want. It is a, it is a lot. Of, Carrie, I don't think, I don't know if Carrie will listen or not, but I'm telling her. Sorry, I Carrie, love her. no shade, but that sounds awful. I love, I love her, and she has a lot of energy, and I... Uh, rely heavily on her sometimes for advice in terms of like, okay, you know, what elderberry do I use? Because she does all the research. Oh. So she knows. So I'm. it's not just any old elderberry that I'm using. I'm using the stuff that Carrie told me to, Carrie told me to buy. Nice. She has all her witchy oils and. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Okay. All right. Good. Well, let's jump right into it, should we? Let's do it. Okay. So we are joined today by a very special guest. Uh, She is all things fitness goddess. Her name is Amanda Black, 
And she is the owner and general badass of Amanda Black Fitness. Yay! Yay! Welcome! What's up? Thanks for coming to the kitchen table. Of course. I'm excited. We we are so um, very happy to have you here. I have a brand new relationship with you to let our listeners know. Sarah has been working with you for... Since August. Since August. Mm-hmm. So for a couple of months now. Been around the block with Sarah now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, so what I'm going to do is go from working part-time to full-time, go into busy season, do 50 sessions... And start working on my health all at the same time. I, th- I why not? Work. Right? Why not? Yeah. Um, let me let me just put this out there before we bring Amanda into everything. We are going to be spending this episode. I I want to talk about reclaiming, and I say that because, uh, at least for me, this has been a year of reclaiming things. Where twenty twenty was the dumpster fire. 2021 is still somewhat of a dumpster fire. Um, it's smoldering at this point. It is. It is. And every now and then we get a few lights of it there. But I want to talk about reclaiming our joy, our time, our peace, and ourselves. And our energy. And I know for some of our listeners, Sarah, you tell me if you have anything that you think about this. I know for some of our listeners, um, they might not be in that space. Of, of reclaiming things, right? Right. Because you and I have been on this this journey in terms of being a parent to special needs children, mm-hmm. whether the person was listening as a, as a parent or a caregiver. Um, we've been on this journey for a minute. Yeah. Right? I've, I've been in it with Finn for at least eight years now. Yeah, we're on eight, eight yeah. years. You and Owen have been about the same. So we're, we're, we're at this point in our path. And I point that out to say, for anybody who's listening, if you're a little earlier on, it's fine. You might not be in this reclaiming space. Mm-hmm. But when, I'm hoping that when you listen today, you can take something away from it. And it might be a good idea if you're a little earlier on, you might want to go back and listen to some of our earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. And maybe those will, will speak to you a little more in, in the journey. And then also be kind because... We started this a little over three years ago. And yeah. We weren't as sophisticated <laughs> as we are today, so that's really not saying much, right? I just <laughs> wanted to, I wanted to put that out there because you, wherever you're listening, whatever part of the journey you're in, or or you might not be a a parent or a caregiver to a special needs child, um, you know, you're welcome to the table. Our mm-hmm. table is open to everybody. Except um, racist, huh? What? Except for helping. <laughs> Have you seen the shirt, We'll Trade Racists for Refugees? Yeah, Eliza has it. Does she really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love her. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, um, but we just want to say you're welcome here wherever you're at in your journey. And yeah. and also to say, like, we when you. we started this podcast, we were in crisis, mm-hmm. like, for years. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. my son was not safe. Like, actually going through my Facebook memories from yesterday, Owen was discharged from the psych unit on that day twice (laughs) two different years like you know two years in a row or whatever yeah um so like we were in crisis for a really long time and for a long time I was focused on keeping my son alive I'm not kidding like keeping him alive and I didn't have the you know energy time headspace to even care about myself at all so 
you know, I, I really put everything else on the back burner and I'm just now that my son's been stable for the last two years am able to kind of go back and start picking up those pieces. So, you know, if you're not in a place right now of reclaiming, we get that because we were there for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that we won't go back to that space. Yeah, we probably will at some yeah. point. I mean, at, you know, raising a disabled child in the world that we raise them in not because of who they are, but because of the ableism that we have to deal with. At any moment, we could go back into that space of crisis and um, like the insurance company isn't paying for Fid's meds for his epilepsy. So we have to rely on his Medicaid to do that. And I've been told, well, you only have so long that Medicaid will pay for it. And then you're going to have to do something else or fight them or oh no right so <laughs> I feel like there's always this clock like when's the next the crisis gonna hit or when's the next shoe gonna drop yeah so we just want to acknowledge that and we want to acknowledge that we're also coming from a place of advantage oh yeah that our our black siblings might not be our indigenous siblings and then our other um, people of color mm-hmm. um, siblings might not be able to have this advantage that we currently have mm-hmm yeah we're very privileged in where we live we have access to services Uh we have access to you know one of the best mental health you know pediatric mental health facilities Uh um like we're very very lucky and blessed and it's still really freaking hard yeah yeah absolutely so all of that acknowledged and said i'm gonna turn it back to amanda Oh, I love this already. <laughs> I love it. Yes, absolutely. I brought um, it way down. No, so you laid the stage so up. correctly, though. Everyone's in a different phase of their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and honoring that and respecting that is is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that you guys stand for that. So yeah. what's up, guys? I'm Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us? I, I want to keep that theme of everybody's in a different place in their journey, because I think that's going to carry us through this episode. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Absolutely. Um, So I am a former social worker and psychology major turned nutrition and health fitness coach in some aspects of the word. I always say um, health coach is more on brand for me than anything because I think health stems a lot further than just our physical health. Um, It stems through physical, emotional, mentally. It stems through everything. So that is just a little bit about me. I found myself in this world and it seems like the perfect place to be. So be, you started in social work. So you have um, a bit of a peek behind the curtain of what uh, mine and Sarah's lives are like in terms of dealing with the mental health system in our country, the healthcare system in general kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Lots of training around all of that. Um, I also grew up with a lot of mental health in my my family, my mother, um, in particular. So always been involved in the mental health world, just trying to navigate it. Wow. Wow. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, um, where you got started in your health journey. Give us a little snapshot of you first. Absolutely. Um, growing up, I was always, you know, involved in, in the world of a lovely diet culture through the form of Weight Watchers. You know, I watched my mom do that year over year. Um, chronically would gain a hundred pounds, lose a hundred pounds. It was just like in her nature. So I watched that for years. And as I grew up, developed my own lovely host of issues in the form of nutrition and um, my own personal mental health battles of food and self-worth and all those lovely things. So it led me to, I think for me, it was reclaiming strength and who I was and not being 
a victim, I guess, in my own personal journey. Cause I was, I, um, everything was happening to me and I, I will use that a lot on my journey. So I was able to kind of find my own guidance through other very successful people to help pull me up by my bootstraps to find my own type of strength and move forward. And now ultimately that's kind of what I want to do for other women is teach them that, you know, Hey, we can come through different seasons of, of life and they're always going to change. They're not going to stay static. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So you, you had started out in your family experiencing watching your family member, your mom, um, be on and off diets. Absolutely. Yeah. Her entire life. I think it's the most prominent memory of my childhood is watching her, um, get on Weight Watchers and then off Weight Watchers and on Weight Watchers and off Weight Watchers over and over and over again. What was that? What was that like for you? I mean, I hear you saying like, you know, it, it led to some of your own stuff kind of, it puts you in this place where you are now. That was where you, maybe you started, but now you're in a different place. What was that like for you to kind of watch her and then experience it yourself? Yeah, just you know, uh, emotionally, I would say confusing. It was always confusing when I was growing up. I didn't know, didn't understand why I had to keep, she had to keep going back to something. It didn't make any sense to me that what was happening? Why was I, when I was losing weight and feeling good, she was a different human being. Um, and when she was not feeling good and when she was, uh, let's say, even when it, it wasn't even weight, it was when she felt like she was failing. She was another type of human being. Mm. Um, just those you know, high highs. She was on top of a mountain when she was doing it and succeeding. But when she fell and felt like she wasn't meeting the standards, we saw an emotional slip. So I've watched my mom go through depressions of not wanting to leave the house to being, you know, she has bipolar disorder. So being super manic on the other side of like, Mm. I'm going to go do, 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 because I'm finally doing it. And so her identity was attached to those failures and successes. So my success was rooted in diet. I wanted to, I felt like I was, you know, getting bigger than I would diet. Mm -hmm. And my success was rooted in if I could lose weight because that's what I watched my mom do for so long. Wow. That, I I feel like that resonates with me. Um, If my mom listens to, I don't know if she'll listen to this episode or not. Hi, mom. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) But just, please, please don't, please don't uh, be mad. But I that resonates with me what you're saying in terms of watching her struggle. Like I've watched my mom struggle her whole life, um, and I got those messages from her that I I have now currently struggled for the last twenty five ish years, and I've also been terribly aware of how much I weigh, what I look like, um, what I'm supposed to weigh, what I'm supposed to look like. Um, and to take a little pressure off my mom's shoulders and kind of be like, I promise it's not all my mom's fault. I mean, our, our society growing up, like I think about, I mean, I was born in the seventies, but I think about the seventies, eighties, nineties, even the early two thousands. I mean, it was, what, what did we have in the 90s? Didn't we have like heroin chic? Heroin chic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were talking Kate about... Moss and just yes. being waif-like. Yes, very thin, very like you can see your hip bones mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and that was just, that was not me. That is not me. And that was never who I was. So between watching my poor mom struggle with her stuff 
and all the, the messages that I got. So you talk about your stuff that, that resonates with me. I, I get that. I feel that kind of like deep right here. And I think what I kind of heard too, in what you were saying is almost the why of stuff. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, but tell me a little bit about you mentioned, so you mentioned diet culture and we, t- you've talked about it before, like with us in our conversations, you talk about it to explain to everybody. So Amanda doing her coaching stuff, she, um, has like a, a texting stuff with everybody. And she also on her Facebook page, you'll mention diet culture. So can you talk a little bit about that and like what that means for you, how you're defining that? Yeah. I think diet culture is, is pretty broad. But in my opinion, it boils down to any rules that someone places upon you in which you should eat or or drink or move your body in a kind of very molded way. I always say day culture to me is here, do these things because these things are the magic. And I mean, they make money on that, right? So they're telling you to do these things for a very specific reason. They, they want money, um, but they're never giving you the full picture. So they're trying to conform you into doing what they want. And when you can't meet the standards, it usually leaves you feeling pretty crapola-ish and then you revert backwards. So to me, diet culture is anything that has a, you must do this. This is a mandatory item in order for you to find success, if that kind of makes sense. Um, so I'm thinking like, obviously like Weight Watchers, like examples of diet culture things would be like Weight Watchers or keto or Adkins or Noom. That's Noom. a popular one. <laughs> Noom. I, so I use Noom for a whole minute. Have you tried it? No. No, you never tried it? I did Weight Watchers. Okay. So you did. So we share the Weight Watchers experience. Mm-hmm. I tried Noom for a whole minute. It worked for a minute. And then I was... I was on TikTok. <laughs> I was flipping oh, through the stuff. My we existence. talked on last episode about TikTok and how much we learned from TikTok. <laughs> but we follow like anti-diet culture people and yeah, yeah, and they, indigenous people and mm. you know black people like black activists. Like we try to learn from the people that are actually living affected the experience. experience. Yeah. yeah. So so I was following. I can't remember who I was following, but they were like, yeah. So Noom does red, yellow, green right? Green, yellow, red. Well, that's also what they do in some classrooms in terms of behavior. It's basically ABA. And it's, it's all like kind of shame based. Mm -hmm. Like even though Noom's like, Oh, it's okay. We focus on the psychology, but they're psychologically screwing you up. Right. (laughs) But then they're still like red, yellow, green. And I'm like, Oh, I can't have the brownie because it's red. Oh yes. And I never, I never thought about that before. Mm, I never thought about that before because it, it was packaged very sunshiny, very differently mm-hmm. than it had been of like keep track of your points mm-hmm. or keep track of your calories or use the little, the little color containers from yes from Beachbody, Beachbody. or or mm. whatever. Yeah, so. Yeah, packaged very differently. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also like infuriating because I feel like people are starting to talk more about the link between physical health and mental health and companies are taking advantage of that. And that's gross. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably my biggest pet peeve when it comes to Noom is they claim so much psychological benefits. Like we help with the psychology of weight loss because there is so much psychology to weight loss. But they literally do the opposite by 
unintentional, well, intentionally underfeeding women, right? They're prescribing a 12 to 1400 calorie diet, which most females need way over that. That's like one meal for me sometimes. Yes, correct. correct. <laughs> That's like lunch, up to lunch for me and yeah. I'm good. Right. Um, and then they're classifying foods like that. And it's literally just perpetuating the psychology, but because they send a few emails, they're good mm-hmm. and they get away with it, which whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there anyone, um, in, in terms of like breaking this diet culture loop that you have started to follow or that you have learned from that like particularly resonated with you? Absolutely. I mean, there's a ton of people now who really break that chain. Um, one of my favorite humans on the internet is Jordan Syatt. He does a really good job at breaking the diet culture norms and showing people how to, how to do it right. There's a lot of virtual health coaches now who speak out against it. Just a lot harder to find them because they don't go viral on the internet um, because we tell the truth, right? And the truth isn't sexy mm-hmm. and people want sexy. So it tends to, it sells a lot easier. So you have to do more. I always say, if it sounds too good to be true, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. And there's no, we can't biohack this whole journey. It's a journey just like anything else we've all went through. We've got to go through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm curious, and then I want to make sure we loop back around to like diet culture and mental health, right? But I'm curious, Sarah, how did you two connect? How did you and Amanda connect? Um, so I found out about Amanda from a post a friend of mine, Carol, did um, about, and she was talking about um, how Amanda's approach is different because they focus on the mental health aspect and it's not just about you know, calories in and calories out. They're, they are focusing on your sleep and how are you feeling and, you know, all these different things. And I've been in therapy for a couple years and, um, you know, I've, I've kind of started to um, make some progress there. And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm ready to kind of, um, you know, work all the, these things together because I needed, like my mental health was so fragile. I needed someone that could, be understanding of that and help me with both of those things. Um, so I set up a call and it sounded great. And I was like, um, thank you so much. I'm, I'm not worth spending that much money on. And she was like, uh, bitch, please. And, um, exactly like that. <laughs> just, but, I but also told you that. You, yeah. Yeah. Cause she yeah. had a couple of text conversations with me and she's like, do I do this? Do I do this? Do I do this? I'm like, why wouldn't you do this? Yeah. Like I would spend any amount of money for my kids or my, my family. But when it comes to, when it came to that number for myself, I was like, oh no, 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 I'm not worth that. And Amanda's like, mm, but but you are. And she talked me into it. And <laughs> here we are. And like, and the thing that um, has been different about this, you know, I, I've tried to lose weight so many times. Um, but the thing that's been different is, um, I, I mean, I haven't lost that much weight yet. Um, but, you know, I'm used to doing crash diets where you lose 10 pounds the first week. And, you know, you can barely walk because you're so weak and <laughs> like dizzy because you're not eating enough. Um, but you're like, yeah, I lost 10 pounds. But in this um, scenario, it is a, a much slower approach, but I really like it because I'm still I'm seeing changes in my body, even though the scale isn't going down, you know, as much as I would with a low carb, you know, crash. Um, but it feels much more sustainable. And she's like, 
you know, ice cream's high in protein. If you got everything else you need it for the day, go get yourself a blizzard. I'm like, I love this. Better help blizzard. <laughs> yes. I'm like, this is, this is therapy right here. Um, you know, so it's, it's much more, um, I don't, I don't want to say easy. It's not easy, but it's much more realistic for a way that I want to live my life. Um, and my coach's name is Sam. She's the best. I love her. <laughs> um, hi, Sam, if you listen. Um, and I, I just love it because it's not, you know, like I said, it's not just how many calories did you eat today? Oh, you didn't get your, there's no shame in it, mm-hmm. you know, and there's so much shame mm-hmm. in diet culture and mm-hmm. in our society and what's wrong with you. Why can't you just, you know, do it? Um, and I don't feel that with, with this approach. And I really appreciate that. Um, Amanda, can you talk for a minute about this, this idea that Sarah mentioned of, okay, so, so it's been a couple of months. She hasn't lost 10 pounds in a week. Like even her saying that, like I got some anxiety, right? So can you talk a little bit about like, do you see that in other folks you work with and what is that in their mental health that's like in their mind that's saying like, I have to lose 10 pounds in a week or this is not successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we all correlate, you know, when we start a diet, most people start a diet for weight loss. It's like ingrained in our brains. I want to lose weight. I must diet. Um, and we take so much of our success on the scale going down And we never remember that their success is so multifaceted than just related to one piece of metal that sits on our bathroom floor that sometimes tells us the truth and sometimes is a terrible reading and sometimes it's impacted by our stress and our, um, you know, water and fluids and all of these things that we completely freaking forget about when we emotionally step on the scale and we expect it to be going in a downward trajectory for so long. And I think for a lot of women, we forget that it's taken us years to also be where we're at. Like we didn't get to where we are overnight either. We want to lose weight. So why do we expect ourselves to be able to just turn a page in our book and say, now I'm going to massively lose weight overnight. We expect, we demand so much of ourselves. And when we do that, we put so much pressure on ourselves, which we might lose weight short term, which is lovely, but is that really what we want? We don't want to just lose 10 pounds just to see 20 come back on in two months. We want to learn how to realistically transition our lifestyle to be the healthiest versions of ourselves, which at some point correlates to the scale decreasing. But when I stop being so hyper-focused on it, I see benefit in my whole life. And I see this realistic game plan that like, holy crap, I can build a lifestyle and stay in it and not have to stop eating bread every time I want to try to drop weight and then go on a vacation and just gain it all back because I learned no moderation with it. Um, But that anxiety moment of like, but wait, the scale's not going to go down right away is weird. And I always say though, if the attempts to get it to go down in the past were working for us and they were successful, we would have just been doing that still. And there's a reason we break that norm because that's not the answer. There's another way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Sarah's never looked at her progress picture, she should really do that because I, it's outstandingly right. sh- shocking. Right. I made Tara look. Oh <laughs> I was like, you're going to see my butt, word. but look, look at this. Holy, I literally looked the other day. I was like, oh my, Sam said something. And I was like, all right, well, I got to be nosy. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> the fact that there's not a scale, that's also like if my 
success was only locked up in the scale, I would have never been able to look back and say, holy crap, Ola, like I look like a different human being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that little piece of metal didn't give me my self-worth and Mm -hmm. stop relying on it. Because once we do it, you get really great results, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It is disorienting. Mm-hmm. It's disorienting to start to think this way, I think, because it is so ingrained in ourselves to be like, we have to lose 10 pounds in a week you know, to be successful. We have to um, lose 30 pounds in 30 days to be considered successful. And I think for, for those of us, and myself included, who are significantly um, either overweight or fat, however you want to call it, or have a considerable amount of weight that they want to lose, it feels really disorienting to hear, no, that's not really how we do this. That's not really going to be the way to sustain it and, and kind of keep it off. So here's the, here's, I just had kind of had this epiphany. Here's a concrete example of, so I've been working with Sam for two weeks now, I think this is going into our third week. Um, here's a concrete example of how kind of stepping out of that idea of I have to lose 30 pounds in 30 days to be successful is. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going into Christmas. Christmas is going to be next week. And I'm not having this mental like gear up of, okay, I'm going into Christmas and we're going to eat on Christmas Eve and we're going to eat on Christmas Day, and we'll probably eat the Christmas day after. So then you might as well keep going so, until New Year's Day, but we're going to eat coleslaw, or what is it? Sauerkraut. Sauerkraut. Jesus. You got to eat sauerkraut on New Year's no, Day. No, I will not. I it's, refuse. You have Give me all the bad luck. <laughs> I dare you. But it's this idea of like, in this normally in this time of year, I'm gearing myself up the week before to be like, okay, I'm going to have a couple of bad days. And I put bad in quotation marks. And then on Monday, (laughs) I'm going to eat that soup. And I'm going to have that salad. And I'm going to drink all the water. And I'm going to be back on the wagon. Until Wednesday. And then for the first time, I'm not thinking like that right now. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not experiencing that anxiety. I'm not experiencing that mental energy of like putting it, like I have to put it into that. I'm actually just kind of like, oh, it's Christmas. It's a, it's another day. I mean, I'll be at an important one. It's another day, but I'm just going to eat and I might have what I want, like a piece of cheesecake. Yes. <laughs> Cause I like I it. Had cheesecake yesterday. That's good. Isn't yeah. it? Um, but I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and that's what I'm going to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, that's a whole world away of difference of like, Oh, I have to get back on the wagon, that kind of thing. Yeah. I so say we stop falling off the wagon once we like stop creating a wagon mm-hmm. around all the rules. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. That's how I'm, that's, that's the difference that I'm noticing in myself. Yeah going into this holiday mentally. Yeah. I am not as stressed and Mm -hmm. anxious going into the holiday. I had a similar epiphany last night. Um, Matt made, Matt makes like the best burgers are so good. Um, but he made burgers. And so I had a, like a bacon mushroom Swiss burger with curly fries. It was delicious. And I, you know, I logged it all and I was like, oh, you know, I got my protein in great couple hundred calories over what I don't care. Um, 
But then I started eating and I got halfway done with my burger and I was like, I'm full. And I, and I had them thought of like, oh, but I already logged it. I'm just going to eat it. And then I was like, why? What? I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this food isn't going anywhere. I can mm-hmm. eat it tomorrow for lunch. Mm-hmm. So I like went back in my app and like just halved everything. So my log like reflected what I ate and then I ate the other half for lunch today. And I was like, um, why didn't I just like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that before. Like I wouldn't have even thought about it. I'd just be miserable. Cause I was so full of meat. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and I didn't have to cook lunch today. Yeah. So is this, how, what, would you call this anything like intentional eating? Like, is this something, oh, what do yeah. you, what do you, what would you call this that we've just talked about? I mean, that's just fully listening to your hunger cues, which is something that we've all forgotten how to do because of the under eating and the over restriction that we've been so involved in. We forget that it's okay to eat when you're hungry and it's also okay to stop when you're full. And I always say like, no one's taking the food off the planet tomorrow, but when we're so ingrained in diet culture and we're getting something that's again in quotations bad, the natural reaction is, well, if I finish it all right now, then I don't have to worry about it tomorrow and I won't have to go back to that bad food and I'll get back on the wagon But we really have that, like, I always say we, like, have that full brainwashed moment when we come to the other side and we're like, whoa, you mean I can only eat half a burger and not eat the whole thing because I was satisfied? Not because I felt like I had to restrict, but because I was just, like, fully satisfied of it. I think it's just, like, listening to our bodies and trusting our bodies and also trusting our minds Mm -hmm. that, like, we can do that and that's okay And if I want a cookie, Christmas cookie, a slice of cheesecake on a random ass Wednesday, I can eat a slice of cheesecake on a random ass Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not eating the whole thing in one sitting to like, quote unquote, get rid of it because I'm not allowed to have it normally. I can have it whenever I want. Cool. Makes life The cheesecake sampler at Aldi. Mm, So good. Mm Mm-hmm. So good. I love it. Just saying. So what what I'm hearing in all of that, to kind of summarize it up for, for people who are listening, is there is maybe initially a disorienting experience you might have trying this way of, of thinking about eating and your health. But then once it starts to kind of click, it it's so much less mental energy and so much less anxiety, at least for me, and so much less like, oh, beating myself up because I ate something I wasn't supposed to, again, quotation marks. Um, and a lot more, that's where I, that's where I kind of link it to this idea of like reclaiming. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a grown ass woman and if I want a piece of cheesecake, I can eat a piece of cheesecake yes. with the balance of knowing like, there's a structure that I'm working on setting in place with my coach to understand that, well, I'm not going to eat cheesecake all the time. Absolutely. Right. There's going to, there's going to be a bit of a structure that I follow to stay within, to try to help myself meet whatever goals it is that I'm, I'm working on and that I'm in charge of those goals and that I set them. Yes. And sometimes I don't meet them perfectly and that's okay. Right. Right. Right? And allowing that space. Cause like, that's a huge thing of like, well, I didn't meet my goals. Now what? Tomorrow's a new day. Mm -hmm. We're going to go, we're going to fall flat on our faces 
we've all experienced that in whether it be in the diet world or in some other facet of our life, we make mistakes. You're not a perfect anything. Um, nobody is. And we expect perfection of ourselves on that, on that body transformation journey. And when we remove that and we say, well, I had a bad day, but tomorrow's brand new. It allows you the space to then not shame. Shame always reinforces negative behavior allowing ourselves and giving ourselves compassion and treating ourselves like we would treat any other human being in the world with compassion allows us space to then make an appropriate decision that aligns with our goals and the human that we want to be not just focused around weight loss, but how we want to feel and how we want to act and all of these deeper things. So yeah, the compassion aspect is, is big, but from y'all too, from like that own personal perspective, right? From your own body, you have to be compassionate for yourself. Yeah. And it's amazing how when you start treating your body nicely, you want to keep doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the that's getting past that initial like, oh, I don't have to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. Yeah. yeah. Because like, like what is that going to do anyways? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's not, there's not a lot of um, intentionality. There's not a lot of kind of mindfulness in that. There's, it's just like, do this, do this, or it, more of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, restrict, 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 stop, Mm -hmm. stop, stop, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. And I think your brain can only live in that kind of space for that hypervigilance. Like if you think about it, if you're on a diet, like that's a lot of hypervigilance that you have to be in. I think it's amazing how you don't realize how much energy you're expending, you know, of yourself when you're trying to either feeling bad about yourself or eating what you did or constantly worrying about, Oh, I'm not supposed to eat this. This is bad. Like it takes so much out of you that you don't realize Mm -hmm. until you stop doing it. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, how, why did I do that for so long? Do you see these, the folks that come to you, do you see them just like fatigued? Oh like we gosh. are, like we're so tired. Diet culture fatigue is so real. I just, so many, I talked to a few women today. They're like, goodness, I just want to be able to sit down and eat and not think about it. And I'm like, oh gosh, we consider that a luxury now? Mm-hmm. That should be normal. We should just be able to sit down and eat. And I say food isn't just our fuel. Food is like a foundation of celebration in this world. We have to celebrate with it. And we should be able to do that unapologetically and not from this space of, well, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm being bad. And, you know, well, I'm having a, a cheat day. I'm cheating today. What do you mean? We're not, you're not cheating on anything. You're just having a day to have more space and flexibility. Cool. Allow that to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It breaks like up that, that mental energy for sure. Um, so like if someone's listening and they're like, okay, maybe this sounds like something I'm interested in. What is, what is the basic process you'd walk somebody through? Like just getting started on their journey? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The first thing I always say is like the primary part of any journey is unlearning the previous journeys that didn't serve us. Um, so that's usually the foundation of where we begin is like, I always say in, in, because it keeps it light, but we have to brainwash of the previous things that have become normal and relearn this non-normal path. Because when I talk to people, I'm like, you're going to think I'm nuts. You have to deprogram. Yes. Yes. I'm going to tell you to eat more and I'm going to tell you to not create foods off limits. And everyone's told you differently. So you think I have three heads talking at you like I'm nutty, but I'm not because I just have this revolutionary idea that if you give yourself more unlimited permission, you won't crave it as much either. We, I always say we make food really sexy when we tell ourselves we can't eat it. 
what if we made it less sexy? What if we just gave ourselves permission to it? So a lot of deprogramming um, is the foundation of kind of where we begin. And then we start to lay the groundwork to say, okay, now that we've deprogrammed all this stuff we don't need to believe, what is your truth? What does work for you? And that doesn't not going to be what works for your best friend or your coworker or your significant other. It's what works for you. And now we have to allow that groundwork to be laid. And then we go through what I always call many relapse moments where we relapse. We go back to old habits. We go back to old behaviors and that's okay. We all relapse in the moment and we learn from it. We let hindsight be 2020. We get really curious and then we keep going forward. But the foundation too, I think is like not quitting is not allowing our, there is no, there's no finish line. So there's no way we can quit. And there's no way to fall off the quote unquote wagon because we don't have one anymore. There's no right or wrong. There just is what is. Sometimes I fall in line with my goals. Sometimes I don't. And I pick myself up. I dust myself off and I say, now what? What's next? So yeah. That makes a lot lot of sense. Um, And it sounds, I mean, it sounds like something that's doable, a little more doable than a lot of um, other things that are out there that... I've tried previously and I am doing it. I mean, for full disclosure, I'm working with Sam. I have been for about, again, three weeks. I plan to work with your um, company over like the next year um, to, because this is going to take a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to lose 30 minutes in 30 days. This going to take a minute. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned unlearning. I'm unlearning every day mm-hmm. because there's a new experience that I'm having pretty much every day. And I expect this process to continue for like the next year. That's the, that's the kind of plan that I've put myself in currently. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's, there's hiccups along the way. There's high stress moments. We go through different seasons of life where we had the intention of taking better care or focusing on ourselves more, but then a season hits us like of, like a dumpster fire, like 2020, Mm -hmm. and we have to readapt the plan. Mm -hmm. That's why I always say if we allow the journey to be, let's say a year, which most people it takes, we then get to be open to actually finding the path and not getting so hung up on if I lost weight and my success is just based solely on that. It's more based on like, whoa, I laid a foundation that will allow me to continue this lifestyle for life. And if I could trade a year for the rest of my life, worth it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you going to say something? I'm just like, (laughs) I'm just like, Sarah has heart 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 eyes. eyes. Don't, I was going to say, don't tell Molly (sighs) that you have heart eyes with Amanda. I got two eyes, one for each. (laughs) You might be jealous. No, I just, I I love this. Um, You know, it's like, it's one of those things. The first time I ever heard the word like diet culture was from our friend Liza a couple years ago. And I was like, what is that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's like the more that you like look into it and unlearn it and, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like mind blowing how we let people get away with it, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, and if you, um, you know, if you want to start this, this health journey, um, I think it's really important that, you know, you don't do it for society or how they think you should look or, um, you know, you really do have to do it for you. You have to have like your why, you know, they say, um, and it can be vain 
you know, mine is I want to fit in like 1960s dresses. <laughs> and everyone was on benzos back then, so they're all real skinny. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I really did. I read like an article about like the fat free. Um, like craze of the eighties. Oh, I saw. Yeah. Well, and, like, I jazzercise and I like looked through that. Yeah. 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 And I read like a theory that linked it back to like everyone in the fifties, sixties, seventies was like on math on benzos. Or, yeah. Yeah. And then they like cracked down on prescribing them. And, and then all of a sudden people are like, Oh, <laughs> what? Oh, what? what? <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, what was I saying about again? Oh, so for me, you know, my why is I, I want to wear cute clothes. Fat people don't get cute clothes, okay? That's I've got some, true. I've got a bone to pick with you fashion designers. I don't want to wear cold shoulder floral tops, okay? I don't want it. Okay. I don't want it, okay? I want to wear cute stuff. 1950s, 60s, yeah. dresses with pockets. Yeah, that's what I want. I love it. And I also, you know, my son's getting bigger and stronger, and I need to be able to run after him. And that was one of my whys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe you're just identifying with that of I need to be able to keep my child safe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm not in. I'm not physically able to do that. Well, I think in our in our community, so in our in our autism community, um, the our, our groups of parents and caregivers. We talk about, you know, what's going to happen to our child after we're not here anymore. Like we have, that's a conversation we have from day one. And, you know, part of my why is like, well, I have to live forever Mm -hmm. and I have to be the healthiest I can be a lot for him. But I'm also in a part of my, of my reclaiming journey where I am trying to disentangle that a little bit of my why and make it solely focused on me, even though that's a really foreign concept um, as of the last 10 years. Um, but I am, I am, I've been working with Sam on this to like really disentangle that and really, no, really for you. Why for you? Why do you want to do this for you? Because in the end, I can say, you know, I want to be stronger. I want to be faster. I need to live forever for my kid. And in the end, for me, I've discovered it's, it really does have to be about me. Like I have to dig a little deeper on that. So I've been, I've been working on that with her a little, a little bit. It's important. Yeah, Yeah. it is. It's okay to root your why in someone else. And I think that's a, it's a good jumpstart to get started to say, okay, my why is codependent on someone else in the beginning you're going to learn too, as you dive deeper, that you'll start to figure out that while yes, it is to be there and be supportive of your son, it also is going to root back to, but it's also to be here and supportive for me. Because if I am solely living just to care and give to others and never fill up my own cup, what's pouring out of me? Mm-hmm. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. I love that analogy of, you know, if you bump into someone with a cup of coffee, what spills out? Coffee. And so what's in your cup? If you have nothing left and someone bumps into you, we got nothing coming out. Mm-hmm. And usually that's the straw that broke the camel's back. We, we aren't so responsive to someone who kind of disturbs our, 
our normal flow. And so when we can refill up our own cup and no matter what, it feels very foreign, especially for you guys to say like, wait, what? (laughs) No, 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 no. I have to put, and you do have to put others first in that situation. But at some point, how can I also make my part, myself part of the conversation? Mm -hmm. It becomes a game changer. You'll learn and you'll start to find it. And I always say, sometimes we can seek the answers out and drive ourselves crazy. And sometimes we just have to sit back and say, let me see what answers come to me. Because mm-hmm. as you start keep going, you'll find like, oh, wow, something just slapped me in the face. One day I was taking some random walk and I had this epiphany. This is why. And bam. Yeah. 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 And I do journal. Mm-hmm. I encourage anybody who's listening to journal anytime. You know, I'm obviously therapy. Go to a therapist. If you're not able to get to a therapist for whatever reason, start journaling. Journaling doesn't have to be like writing full, beautiful paragraphs. It can be bullet points. A word in your mind that keeps circling around. Right. It can be visual, a draw, yeah, whatever. But to sit with yourself, give yourself like two, three, four, five minutes and to give yourself some time to process like what's going on in your brain, that really does lead to a lot of like, oh, I never thought about it this way before. Oh, that's why X, Y, Z is happening for me or what have you. So I highly encourage journal work. It really is all so connected. You know, and we talk about self-care a lot on this podcast and um, we lament when people are like, do self-care, take a bubble bath. Like, what is that? Like, what is that going to do for me? You know, this to me is self-care. Self-care, um, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, something like that or, you know, listening to a murder podcast instead of doing the dishes. Like, that's self-care to me sometimes. Um, but... Lately, in part of my reclaiming journey, my self-care has been really hard work. Like, current Sarah is taking care of future Sarah Mm -hmm. by addressing trauma and, you know, getting healthy mind and body and spirit, reclaiming my time, my energy, my, you know, who I am. Future me is going to thank me for that. So that is self-care for my future self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it's not easy. Like, I feel like we've, you know, made it sound like it's maybe easier than it is. It's not easy. It, there's a lot of shame involved in, you know, changing your approach and who you are. Um, you know, you have this foundation and you're disrupting all of that. That's uncomfortable. So it's still going to be difficult and just prepare yourself for that. But your future self is worth it. And you'll be really glad that you did it. Mm -hmm. Um, Thinking on all of this. So we've kind of linked everything to, you know, physical health, mental health. It's all intertwined, right? There's, there's, it's all, it all is together. Um, Knowing that um, folks who, have special needs kids probably struggling with it a little bit more, right. Than maybe the, the person who doesn't. Um, but I was kind of thinking if you could talk for just a second, um, you know, part of my, my personal story again is that I've been on a diet forever. I'm getting off of that hamster wheel of, of dieting. Um, but I was feeling pretty helpless, pretty stuck, feeling pretty low. Like I've got to do something. What would you want to say to maybe the person like me who's currently hearing this? Maybe they're currently feeling stuck, currently feeling helpless, currently feeling low, and like, I've got to do something. I just don't know what. 
what would you want them to hear to take away? Oh, that's a good question too. Um, so I always say the smaller we can focus, the more realistic a plan can become. Um, so if we're feeling super lost and hopeless, I think the, one of the worst things that we can do is set our sights too large because then it usually only leads to more disappointment. Um, when we're at like truly at a rock bottom style place where we're like, Oh my gosh, I have to do something. And that's where my mind's at. Action at that point tends to be a lot easier because I'm fully at the bottom and I know that I cannot go there anymore. I have to pull myself up. But when we think about pulling ourselves up, we do, we, we make this big cliff and we're like, okay, on Monday, I'm going to work out five days a week and I'm going to eat super duper clean and no more this and no more that. And I set my sights so high, I might come out the gate real, real hot and be doing the thing until I'm not. And then I, I'm back at, I'm not even at rock bottom though, that I'm in this like Narnia place where I just can't do it. And I feel very shameful. So if you're in that place, I always say, can we make something tomorrow just 1% better? And 1% is teeny tiny, but when we add 1% up over the course of a year, we're not just getting, you know, 365, we're getting a ton of percentages because they add upon each other. And I like to use the, the simplest thing. It's not about elimination of anything. It's the decrease of. So if I am, you know, running through the fast food restaurant, okay, what if I just got a medium fry instead of a large? That is the 1%, just one thing, and then build on it. Because if you can slowly start to build upon that, you're going to realistically rock your world and not feel stuck in the loop over and over and over again. So if you're in that place, the worst thing you can do is set your sights too high and come out guns blazing. Don't. Just light the candle and start slow. Drink an extra glass of water. Drink one less pop. Get a, a medium fry instead of a large. The basics. Because then what if we did that for a week and it felt good and then we could make an advancement on it and add. And once we start adding, then it's going to end up taking off like wildfire because you're going to feel you're making the decision in a way that works for you, not in a way that's controlled by someone else. And you're having small wins mm -hmm. and it's that immediate reinforcement mm -hmm. of you're feeling better. Um, you know, maybe you're not swelling as much because you're not having as much salt or you're more hydrated or your skin's looking better. Like it's not always just weight either. Um, and then you want to keep going. Absolutely. That's the good thing. It's like the snowball method uh, yeah. that Dave Ramsey does oh, except for off your health. <laughs> except for the health. Well, so what I'm hearing in that is, is if you're <clears throat> like me, you're feeling helpless, hopeless, just kind of lost. It's starting small. Like you're not going to get up on Monday and clean out your entire pantry. Exactly. And organize it and put all, all the healthy food in there. It's going to be the smaller fry or the one less Coke or more water or a thousand more steps, you yes. know, or 500 more steps, whatever you can put in. And then you're kind of building. Looking at what ones. you're currently doing and advancing it. Oh, that feels doable, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's, once you start doing it, it's amazing how, um, it's almost like addicting. You're like, yes. Oh Ooh, my gosh. I, I got, yeah. Like, Oh, I did this. I want to do that more, you know? And I mean, there's days that I have a really hard time doing like the bare minimum. And then there's other days that I'm like, Oh, I, I've got this, you know? And that's just, that's normal. That's normal for all things, you know? 
doesn't it feel good not to um, beat yourself up over not doing 6,000 steps? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like, it feel like... So today I was getting ready to go to the gym and I'm like, okay, where's my jacket? Oh, now where's my keys? Where's my headphones? Where's my... And I was so annoyed with myself. I'm like, why can't you just get your shit together? But then I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, damn, I got a thousand extra steps by being disorganized. Look at that. Win. Big win. Love it. Disorganization pays off. Yeah. Story my you life. will be thinner because you are disorganized. <laughs> Matt's like, I thought we were going to the gym. I'm like, I'll meet you there. God bless him. Um, okay. So that's the person who's maybe lost, hopeless, 20 years of dieting, whatever. Is there a different message for someone who is like, oh, I've never done this before and I think I want to get healthier. What do I do? Yeah. I think for that person who doesn't even, maybe hasn't been so um, traumatized by the (laughs) diet culture itself. All right. I say, start with what you're currently doing. See where you're currently at. I think the worst thing we can do is change a bunch without really knowing even where, what there is to change. So, okay, what are you currently doing? And then if I do want to, let's say, quote unquote, get healthier, first define what that even means for you. Um, Cause if we want to get healthier and then focus on an aspect that doesn't even really matter, we're going to end up getting again, discouraged by it. So what does healthy really even mean? For some of us, that means, you know, preventative disease forward. For some of us, that means, you know, being more supportive for our children or whatever it is. Define healthy first and then see what you're currently doing and then reverse engineer it. You work backwards from there. If I'm only getting 2,000 steps and I'd like to get healthier and I define health through getting more steps in, then I add 1,000 steps or 500 steps and I start to work up my ladder. If I define health as drinking more water and less pop, then I identify what I'm currently doing and start to adapt it from there. So the reverse engineering is good because if we start from an unrealistic place, we crush and burn. If we start from a realistic place, we then can build a foundation that doesn't sink in quicksand. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I think that we have a pretty good example of how um, it's okay to um, say, like, I'm going to do this and then realize that it's too much <laughs> and then backing off. What's that? Um, so for example, Tara and I walked to our, um, town Christmas (laughs) festival where we look like stars hollow for 48 hours of the year. And on, so we're walking back in the dark and she's, was it Keith that was like, we should go this way. Yeah. Keith was like, let's try walking by the high school. And we're like, is it quicker? And he's like, I don't know. It seems pretty quick when you're running. So we're like, all right, let's try it. And then we got like a half mile. Oh my, it was so long guys. I was wearing jeans. <sighs> my thighs are still mad at me. And you know, we got, I don't know, probably a mile in and Caleb's was Caleb's wheezing. Caleb was with us and we're like, Keith, can you run and go get the truck <laughs> and come pick us up? <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and he did. I love it. And like, but we weren't like beating ourselves up because we had to catch a ride we were like, hey, man, we made it as far as we could. That's it. That was the end of the story. I love it. <laughs> that's exactly it, though. Like, all, that's all you can do is mm-hmm. go as far as you can and shoot, figure it out along the way. And if I don't meet my expectation, I laugh it off and I try again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Amanda, where can people find you if they're 
interested in checking out more of your stuff. Absolutely. So I'm on the inter- interwebs, um, all your social media platforms, right? I'm um, a black underscore fitness on Instagram and just Amanda Black on Facebook. Um, and then we have a website, amandablackfitness.com is where you can kind of learn more about us. We have, you know, client testimonials and such on there as well. Um, but your generals is where you're going to see my face pop up and talk at you very energetically with my hands quite frequently because that's how I roll. And yeah, that's the basics. And you have such great, um, like I always watch your stories, like your Instagram and Facebook stories, because even if you're not a client, you have such great information that like, I feel like you're really generous with your, um, with your knowledge. Like you can learn so much just from that. Absolutely. That's, it's a great place to start to take in content and be able to kind of learn a little bit before Uh you kind of Uh dive all the way in. And again, that 1%, that could be your 1% is just starting to explore and learn. And I'm a big personal development junkie. So I tend to always post about you know, how to further your personal development journey, whether or not, if it's not in the health and fitness space, then it could be in any form of that journey too, because reclaiming means a little something different for everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. And you, you have a way of saying things that just like make sense and make you like really think about it. Like one of your stories. Um, so this is something I used to say a lot. I'm like, I know what to do. I just, I just haven't done it or like, I'm just not doing it. Uh And, um, you know, so you talked about that. You're like, I hear, I know what to do, but I'm just not doing it. And you're like, no, you're not. You don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. If you knew what to do, you would do it. Exactly. Yes. And I was like, whoa, it was like a a brain. It's (sighs) like my brain. It blew my mind. I was like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. Sound I could play the, I think we have a brain. (laughs) But it's true. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Well, of course. Thank yeah. you guys for having me. And hanging out with us. And um, I'm going to close it just by saying, if you're listening and any of this resonated with you, go check out Amanda. Um, of course, you can always uh, check out and support our podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook at Normal with Autism. And we also have our website at normalwithautism.com. Is that .com? I never remember. I think it's .com. Okay. I never remember. <laughs> and... Uh, I just want to close again with, um, I talked last time about Morgan Harper Nichols. She's my new favorite person. Oh yeah. To follow. Um, I don't know why I was thinking Morgan Freeman. No, 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 no. No, I can't even do his voice. (laughs) I'm just going to, I'm just going to close it out with, um, her little stuff here. And, and she says, uh, you are where you are meant to be. And it's that simple. (laughs) We're all where we're meant to be. And I dig it. And hopefully, um, again, if you're listening, hopefully this brought you some joy tonight. Hopefully it's helping with a little bit of the reclaiming. As she shrugs and fingers crossed. Yeah, (laughs) fingers crossed. And uh, yeah, go check out Amanda and all her her good work. That's all I got. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.